Hello and welcome to the Growth Adventure Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Appel. I am excited to be joined today by Doug Howard, CEO of Pondurance, and Ron Peltier, founder of Pondurance. So welcome, Doug and Ron. Good morning. Good morning, Andrew. So uh, for the benefit of our listeners, um, either who live under a rock or don't live in the central Indiana area, uh, Doug, could you uh, share a little bit about Pondurance? Sure. So Pondurance is a MDR company, which means managed detection and response. Basically, if you look at the past world of cybersecurity, you had people that were either on the detection side or the response side. Uh, We blend those two things together. So in the event that a customer is under distress, typically we'll get called by a lawyer, we'll get called directly by a customer, we'll get called by a law insurance or excuse me, an insurance carrier. But we work with a lot of customers proactively as well to provide active monitoring, which turns into active defense. And that's how we bundle our services from an end-to-end solution provider to clients. Thank you. And we're going to do our best in this podcast not to make everybody want to disconnect every single piece of equipment they have from the internet. But with that said, it's kind of a scary world out there. So Doug, could you maybe share, you know, if you're an average, you know, small to middle market customer, if you don't know, what are some of the things that you should be aware of from a threat posture standpoint? Sure. So if you look at the primary problems in the marketplace and threats for customers, Ransomware would be one of the top ones today, followed by a series of manual attacks, viruses, and various other malware that may impact your machines. The good news is that we're at a point in the industry where active blocking of many of those uh, attacks and threats are key capabilities that exist in a lot of technologies. That said, uh, those technologies do not ultimately provide a high level of protection without somebody looking at them 24 by 7. And so our company, as I mentioned before, really provides that 24 by 7 monitoring and advice uh, to clients to make sure that they're ultimately protected around the clock, which we all know many of our machines, our servers, our applications in the cloud are running 24 by 7, which means that they're also under attack 24 by 7 as well. So not not to ask a leading question, but, you know, technology is both one of our greatest assets as well as our, you know, greatest vulnerabilities. If you had to look at the spectrum of prevention on the prevention side, would, I guess, what, if you're thinking about it as a scale, how much would you weight toward technology versus human behavior in the prevention aspect? Sure. it's uh, And it depends on the technology, but it's a balance, basically. And so certain technologies do very well, you know, operating with minimal human interaction, but that's not to say none. And then others require a significant amount of, uh, of monitoring on a regular basis and tuning and adjusting. As I always say, you know, a lot of customers go out, they buy a technology stack, they deploy it. And often they have very good consultants that deploy that technology stack. But every day after that, it degrades in value very often, simply because it must be tuned and adjusted on a regular basis. And a lot of vendors kind of present their solution as, hey, I'm going to sell you a product. It does a whole bunch of things. You know, once you implement it, it works perfectly and you don't have to do anything with that. And I think the market over and over again in every you know, evolution of the next generation of protection and monitoring capabilities has shown that that human element is a critical step in that. And, and, you know, a lot of times it's not so much the heavy touching it all the time as it is making sure it's operating properly, making sure it's optimized 
uh, on a regular basis. And ultimately, if it sees something or is, isn't doing something properly, that you're aware of that in real time so that you can respond not hours, days, and weeks later, but ultimately immediately. And, you know, one of the, the, the trends in the industry is the average company uh, has a breach and it's anywhere from 90 to 120 days before anybody recognizes that. And that's typically recognized by a company uh, of their partners or one of their customers as well. So rarely do they detect that themselves if, if they're not using 24 by 7 monitoring by typically a third party. So I, I just want to repeat what you said back because, I mean, this is a statistic that I'm aware of, but I think probably most people aren't. It's that once the average company has a breach, it's three to four months before they're actually aware of that their network has been penetrated, correct? That's correct. And, I, and I'm a conservative person. So if you look at a lot of reports, like the Verizon report and various other ones, they range anywhere from three months to 12 months. So I'm just using the lower level of those threshold, not to try to scare everybody to death, but the mass majority of those are in far in excess of three, six, and 12 months very often. And if you look at some of the, the larger breaches that have been out there, uh, you'll see those trends reinforced even for sophisticated customers as well or, or clients. Well, Doug, there's no need to apologize. I work in insurance, so our, our, our day in, day out is, is having people scared to death. So yeah. I completely appreciate that. So touching, though, a little bit on the other side of that, that human element, do you have any advice for your clients? If you set aside the technology, the security professionals, the IT professionals, you know, obviously many people listening to this podcast experienced a world where all of a sudden you had everybody working remotely. And everybody working remotely means you don't really have as much control over the network as you might have previously had. What advice would you have from like a, a, a training standpoint from an, for the end users to better position a company to be able to, if you're utilizing 24-7, to further reduce risk? Yeah, so the, the ultimate goal of any organization is to put as many guardrails as possible around their user base. You know, optimizing training, whether it's in-user awareness training, whether it's simulated phishing, all of those are awesome things and actually improve, you know, the customer base awareness or the user base awareness significantly. However, those, you know, are not the perfect uh, scenario. Humans are humans. Humans make errors. Humans are rushing to do things. They're working after hours or working long hours. You know, they see things that look, you know, like real traffic coming from the corporation. All of those things, even for, you know, sophisticated users are hard to catch at a hundred percent level. And so building those guardrails around uh, the technology stack, regardless of where they are, whether they're remote whether they're local, in the network, VPN, whatever those may be, is a critical step in protecting the user base. So, you know, assumption number one for us, assumption number one for any organization should really be that no matter how much you train somebody, ultimately, at the end of the day, they will do things by error and ultimately make mistakes. And putting that technology stack all the way from the endpoint, i.e. their PC, through the servers, through the cloud, uh, and everything that they would connect to in protecting them is a critical step in making sure that you protect your organization. Thank you. Well, Doug, I've got a couple of other questions for you, but I want to uh, pivot here a little bit to Ron. So, Ron, you you founded Ponderance, and obviously you had tremendous success. You grew it, and presumably 
you saw additional scale that your your services could could grow, but you also recognize that you know while you remain active in the company, you were it's it's no longer your company, for lack of a better way of saying it. Could you kind of maybe walk some of the other entrepreneurs listening to this podcast through kind of your journey from founding to recognizing what ponderance could be and what your role should be to allow that to happen? Sure. Thank you, Andrew. Happy to do that. I I guess I, I had always the great fortune of being surrounded by fantastic people and, and letting them be who they are, letting them do what they do and, and getting out of the way, you know, in a lot of cases. And so, you know, I have to give a lot of the credit to uh, who was my partner at the time, now is our chief technology officer, Landon Lewis, who had really the vision to go beyond and help our customers in moving past just the advisory piece. We can help put things in place, but there was this growing need to be more operational and responsive to customer needs. And so he actually created a service, you know, for all intents and purposes through some, some, some uh, technologies uh, that provided that very deep inspection for a client network. And one particular client was having a, a level of persistence in their environment with uh, some, some malware and, this service actually helped find it and uh, eradicate it. And so they told us, we want you to continue doing this. So we knew we were onto something. A lot of our clients were asking for this as well. And, and so being able to be responsive in the marketplace and expand services along with where the need is, is, is dictating, I think that's really a key. So flexibility, great people. And, you know, trying to stay on on the cutting edge without uh, getting too far uh, ahead of yourself is really, really the key. So it's been a great journey uh, so far. And, uh, you know, certainly with, uh, you know, the investment made uh, and with Doug uh, coming on board, now taking that direction even further is has been really great to see and still happy and glad to be part of it. Well, if I, if I hear you correctly, one of the things that's always been a part of your leadership style is um, deferral of ego and recognizing when other people are, are better than you at some things. Is that is that fair? Not to give you a leading easy you know, question it, it has to be. I mean, you know, we always like to say is there's there's a strong difference between ego and, and confidence and uh, arrogance and, and confidence. And so be confident, you know, make be decisive, but get the input that's needed from the people who are are closest to the data, right? And can help make decisions. So it ends up becoming sort of an 80% data, 20% intuition, gut feel or other things. But but yes, it's very much uh, more of a servant leadership style. So I would imagine that that certainly made it easier uh, in, in this ev- next evolution for Ponderance to, you know, allow more talented people to come into the organization and to, to give up more and more of maybe what you had to done had to do previously. Yeah, it's it's been it's been great. Like I said, with especially with Doug and you know his pedigree, where he's been, the people that he knows, and what he's doing here, you know, to to bring that to Ponderance and and you know meeting a need that may not have been you know able to in a in a bigger company. You know, being flexible, being responsive, and in tune, and building something that's going to continue to scale and grow with customers has just been uh, a great vision that I'm happy to be part of. Awesome. Well, Doug, coming back to you. So this is a question around a skill set that that probably a lot of people in technology don't necessarily think is going to be a part of their role, but um, especially for what you do 
becomes an incredibly necessary skill, which is communication. So um, a lot of the communication that you have with clients isn't in the easiest of times, right? So even if it's on the prevention side, it, to a certain degree, you know, you're telling CIOs or directors of technology or CFOs or presidents a little bit that their baby's ugly, right? And then you also have that something bad has happened and you're communicating with people at an incredibly stressful time where, you know, they're looking at the reality that their business operations may be impaired for a period of time or worst case scenario may be completely gone. So I guess, how, how do you think about communication and how do you work with your team members to, you know, to, to continually hone and practice those skills to be able to deliver those tough messages in a way that, that can be heard? Yeah, I think, you know, the key here, you know, to a large degree is culture, right? If you think about some of the things that have made Honduras very successful in the local market, it was very much, you know, relationship based. And a lot of that relationship was based on, uh, you know, true caring about the customer. And so as we talk and engage clients on a national basis or a local basis, is really making sure that we carry for, a, you know, a true level of empathy. You know, we know that while this customer may be in a particular point of stress at this time, or as you said, maybe their infrastructure isn't up at par, they're also not the only ones out there. Um, so also recognizing and, and while not giving them, you know, an out of, hey, you know, the good news is you're not the only one out there that's like this or having this problem, you know, but also making sure that they're aware that you recognize you're not judging them rather that you've identified some areas that they need to improve upon or a particular situation that they're in and how to get out of that situation and really providing that high level of confidence that Ron was speaking about. You know, a customer in the middle of, you know, a tragic, you know, cyber event, a breach, and you're not showing confidence is the worst thing that could happen. What they want to know is that they've got somebody they can lean on that has been there and done that before and ultimately can help them get out of that situation as quickly and as professionally as possible and recognizing, you know, from, again, an empathy perspective that they may not have ever been in this situation before and that, you know, they may lose their temper. They may have, you know, un, you know, they may have regrettable, you know, conversations and, and attitudes towards some of the employees that if we can calm them and, and provide that level of confidence, that will get them in a good place. And most customers respond extremely well to that. And, you know, that empathy, you know, all the way from the very beginning, especially uh, if we're not engaging them in the middle of a breach, too, uh, helps really understand where they are today and where an ideal situation would be in the future. So taking them from point A to point B, not point A to point Z, because Z is a long way away from most clients. And, you know, there is no final destination for cybersecurity and security uh, or cyber uh, risk reduction. Ultimately, it's always there. Everything's changing. There's always some level of risk. And working with customers to provide that highest level of confidence and a path to get there uh, is the key you know, to success and, and ultimately long-term relationships. I, I, I love uh, your use of the phrase empathy there uh, with your with your team. And I also like uh, re regrettable choices of words. That's a, a very pleasant way of, of saying it. So uh, so since this is a, a insurance and risk management podcast, 
we at Gregory Nepal are big proponents of our clients engaging in some level of a tabletop exercise for the eventuality of a cyber breach. And that can take many forms. That can just be an internal one that could potentially involve, you know, third parties such as a ponderance or your legal counsel. And you're going to spend some money to do that. But I mean, we are, we are firm believers that unfortunately it's probably not if it's when these things happen. And just like you do fire drills and you do tornado drills, you, we would recommend that our clients participate in those. I guess from a preparation standpoint, beyond just engaging with a third party like a ponderance, how would you advise people to get ready for, unfortunately, the eventuality of some form of a breach, right? It might be a major breach, it might be a minor breach, but I think the statistics would say, unfortunately, most people are going to experience this at some point in their business career. Yeah. So, I mean, a, a key thing here is, you know, practice makes perfect, right? And and hopefully, you know, you don't have to go through a, a tremendous number of practices to, to get to a point where you're good. A little bit of prep in this particular world really goes a long way. And some of it is, you know, you know, most companies have and organizations have, you know, smart executives. They're fast on their feet. They think they can think really quickly. But if they're put in a situation they've never dealt with before and don't have a good vantage point of what the possibilities are, not to mention, you know, legal ramifications and so forth that come along with that, then they're they're just not going to be able to respond well. And, And unfortunately, you know, a breach is a team event. It is not a single executive decision maker doing everything and making all the decisions and and so forth. It is a team event, and that includes partners very often. That includes an IR team, and includes your insurance firm. You know, often outside legal counsel, and not being prepared to know what the sequence of events are is a critical failure in most breaches. Uh, and it can cost you hours, if not days, and sometimes even weeks. Not to mention the financial impact associated with those delays. Um, so, you know, look if you want to read up on, uh, you know, tabletop exercises and scenarios. Most of them are pretty straightforward, right? It is, you know, ransomware. It is unavailability of your IT infrastructure. It is loss of data. It is a series of very common situations. But the, the secret here is not exercising that in your, you know, your paperwork and, you know, your head. It's really bringing teams together and making sure you know who the call, when the call, what the sequence are, what information can be exchanged, protecting privilege, making sure that you're meeting the insurance carrier's requirements. All of those things, again, save time, money, and ultimately help reduce as much stress as possible in a very, very stressful situation. Yeah, no, uh, again, not to, not to be repetitive, but we are big proponents of going through the exercise. And, you know, we often say that to your point of it's it's a team, you know, we, we view there are really four, it's like four legs to a chair, right? You've got your own internal staff, you know, you've got a third party provider like a ponderance, you've got your legal counsel and you have insurance. And all of those in the event of a breach have to be working together. And so just thinking through, to your point, not just the legal requirements, but just how do you coordinate a team like that? Because all of them have to be working together uh, to to get people back up and protected um, as quickly as possible. So yeah, and again, a lot of those things. So one last question. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say one of those, you know, that you just mentioned was four people, I mean, four different, you know, companies involved as who do I call 
you know, at those companies? How do I, you know, engage them? Do I have contracts already in place? All the basic foundations um, often are not there and, you know, take, take time to get in place if, if you're doing it in real time. And this is going to sound basic, but also consider the fact that you might not have access to your computer. So have a paper copy <laughs> as basic as that sounds. So one, so one last question for you, Doug, here before we pivot to the lightning round. And this is kind of more of a, a meta topic. So, you know, diversity, equity, and belonging are kind of key pillars for Gregor and Appel. Um, and I'll freely admit that the insurance industry isn't as long as isn't as far along on that journey as, as any of us would like. But in a lot of ways, you know, we share that similarity with technology, right? I mean, um, technology is not exactly known for being the most diverse industry. While it's certainly inclusive, not always the most diverse. I guess for you and Ponderance, how are you viewing that that challenge, and where do you see yourselves along that journey? Yeah, so uh, diversity is a key element of our success and I think the industry's success. And as you said, you know, we find the pool of diverse candidates, um, you know, limiting. And so associated with that, you know, we'll continue our focus and foundational elements of, of making sure that we hire at a diversity level. But we believe the only way really to rectify that in the industry is bringing new talent into the industry. And so we run uh, intern programs in uh, our highest volume areas as, uh, of the company as well. So security operations center, uh, business development reps, and other high volume uh, positions that we're constantly hiring for. And that allows us to attract and bring uh, talent into the industry. And that means going to you know schools that have a diversity program as well. It means making sure that we have programs that can be accessed you know, with diversity candidates. And ultimately, uh, not only bringing them into the industry, but mentoring them through uh, their career paths uh, while they're, you know, Honduras employees, but also mentoring them uh, should they leave the company or ultimately be in other companies as well. And so our commitment is, regardless of them being candidates within the company uh, or ongoing employees, is ultimately to provide support uh, for any candidates that we can bring into the industry as well. And uh, if if somebody listening to this podcast would be interested in learning more about those um, pathways to career growth, I guess, where would they go to, to learn more? Sure. So we have a uh, careers page. Um, that career page has a link to HR and our HR group is always taking candidates on um, for um, the intern programs. And then obviously we're always uh, posting any of the job uh, openings that we have as well. And typically you're always going to find a security operations center uh, posting as well as again, again, the business development reps as well. Um, we hope that uh, candidates can also take the initiative uh, to prepare themselves to be in the industry and show uh, sincere you know, desire as well. And so there's lots of resources on the web. There's lots of YouTube channels to train uh, as well as professional organizations that really have cybersecurity programs that they're very focused on. And several of our people participate in. And Dustin, who runs our services group, uh, one of the original uh, founders as well, ultimately is an instructor there and brings candidates through that program as well. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, Doug, Ron, we are going to pivot to the lightning round. So I, I will ask both of you four questions. There are no wrong answers, just long answers. And we'll alternate who gets to go first. So first question, Doug, we'll start with you. What would we find on your car radio? 
So you would find it connected to my iPhone, typically connected to Spotify, either a podcast or uh, music if I'm lucky and have enough time to to, uh, actually listen to entertainment versus uh, just business. Uh, Ron, how about you? Oh, geez. It's uh, a lot of times audible. Uh, I've, I've become spoiled now where, where reading fiction, you know, for instance, has become replaced by, uh, you know, listening to it, you know, especially when I'm traveling to and from. And, and uh, so, so that's, that's the most likely, you know, if it's, if it's music, it's very much not the radio anymore, probably more a playlist for my iPhone, which may be a classic rock, you know, type uh, playlist, something, something like that. Both of you gave the most technology-focused answers I've gotten yet. So, uh, what? Uh, kudos to you for your tip of the cap to uh, the use of the iPhone there. So, uh, Ron, we'll ask you the second question to start with, which is, what would we find on your bedside table? Oh well, certainly my iPhone charging. You know, so I can keep up on the latest media. That's for sure. You know, that that's that's probably it. My watch too. You know, I got to keep up uh, the, the the media charged. I guess to to keep going. So, and. Uh, I guess those would be the main things. (laughs) Doug, how about you? Well, probably like a lot of us, uh, we've gone through a couple of generations of uh, technologies like iPads. So I have uh, probably the best money I've ever spent is one of the horizontal laying uh, iPad holders that allows you to hold it. It holds it up above your head uh, so you can read hands free. So I have an old iPad you know, with, you know, a ton of different books on it uh, that I read in a horizontal position that lets me start relaxing and checking out a little bit with the right uh, brightness mode, supposedly, not to keep me up. <laughs> Tim Cook is smiling listening to this. Podcast, <laughs> say you. All right. So uh, next question, Doug, Doug, we'll start with you on this one. Cats or dogs? I have three dogs and I let my my wife have a cat that uh, we torment each other. So dogs for sure. And Ron, how about you? Oh, definitely for me, uh, the, the dog. Uh, we do have a cat though as well, but I'm just a, a general animal lover. But uh, but the preference is, uh, is toward the dogs. Well, like I said, there are no wrong answers, just long answers. So, uh, so last question. This one's a little bit more serious. So, Ron, we will start with you here. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? Oh, that I've ever been given? Uh, I think it's to not always try to make, well, not making a, a hasty decision. You know, and there are times where you have to be decisive. But again, it's taking in the right data. It's not to say that every decision requires a length of time, but you know, make sure that you do take into consideration that information so that you can get right or at least near right the first time. And so I think that, that that's it, just making sure, gathering the right data and, and assimilating it and then and using it. Thank you. And Doug, how about you? Somebody once said, and I'm not sure this has ever been attributed to anybody, but uh, op- you know, luck is when opportunity meets preparedness. And, you know, one of the key things that uh, we're always looking at is what what would customers be asking for? What would your boss be asking for? What would the board be asking for in your next meeting? And so one of the things that, uh, you know, we always try to go through is, you know, kind of a five year exercise. Most people can't think beyond year one. And so, you know, that going with that luck equals opportunity, opportunity meets preparedness is you know, really thinking ahead and making sure that we are prepared for the opportunities ahead 
And that happens at a personal level, that happens at a professional level, that happens obviously at a business level as well. And then, you know, not in conflict with what Ron said is get all the facts, but, you know, also move fast, right? I think every executive looking back, you know, when you think about what you could have done better, a lot of times is really being able to take that information, ingest it, make a decision, and to Ron's point, you know, move very confidently forward. So making sure that you move fast is, is a key element of that success as well. Well, to build on that, that uh, John Wooden, a basketball coach from Indiana, is a legend, you know, uh, said, uh, be quick, but don't hurry, right? You know, so that's a, you know, kind of one of those things where, you know, you don't have always the luxury of time, but, uh, you know, just stop to think. Good advice. So before we uh, close up here, uh, Doug, for people listening, where could they go to find out more information about Pondurance? So Pondurance.com, we post a lot of information around thought leadership in the industry. So if you think about uh, all the problems that are out there, uh, we hopefully have hit on a lot of those, either through blogs on the website or other via white papers, you know, podcasts, different things on the website as well to keep everybody informed. Obviously, ransomware is a big focus right now for a lot of companies. And so we spend a lot of times on things like protecting your domain controller and other elements of your infrastructure that are often the point of entry or the point of compromise for things like ransomware. We do a lot on business resilience. That's Ron's background. So we stay true to that as well and in other areas as well. But, you know, on our website has a tremendous amount of information. Our uh, consultants are always available to talk as well. But, uh, you know, the there's a ton of information everywhere on uh, Pondurance now, and uh, our website is probably the central point to, to find that information. Thank you. Well, Doug, CEO of Pondurance, and Ron, founder of Pondurance, thank you both so much for joining the Growth Adventure today. Hopefully, we accomplished our goal of not scaring the pants off our listeners, but uh, it's important, and preparedness is an ounce of prevention goes a long way, right? So uh, thank you both so much for joining, and look forward to seeing you around. Thank you. Thank you.